I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, January 26th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, lawmakers have opened a pathway for Amazon to invest $10 billion in Mississippi for the construction of two new data centers. Then, from the Gulf States newsroom, a group of medical students are being trained and equipped to stop drug overdose deaths. Plus, a lawsuit claims opening of the Bonnie Carey Spillway is damaging the Mississippi Sound in the Gulf of Mexico. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. State lawmakers passed a major financial incentive yesterday for the construction of two new data centers for Amazon Web Services. The record-shattering economic investment being done for this project will cost the company an estimated $10 billion and will create around 1,000 jobs. Officials say the Madison County project will generate more than four times the economic capital of the aluminum dynamics deal passed in 2022. This monumental moment in Mississippi history did not just happen. As Lieutenant Governor Hoseman said yesterday, this wasn't by happenstance. It wasn't by luck. It's because of what we're doing here, laying the foundation for future economic success year in and year out. That was Governor Tate Reeves thanking lawmakers for quickly passing bills that will set aside roughly $44 million. The state will also assist Madison County in covering infrastructure costs. Reeves has called the legislature in for a special session yesterday to expedite funding and incentive bills. It's the second special session he's called in two weeks. Democratic Representative John Horn of Jackson says this will be a major benefit for the state's capital city. This project is not only going to infect my constituents and my district, it's going to have a tremendous impact, almost a game-changing impact on the central part of the state of Mississippi. Uh, The jobs that are going to be created, the technology that's going to be brought in, the training that's going to be delivered uh, represents a watershed moment in Mississippi's history. This could be called the deal of the century for our state. Uh, The the kind of of, uh, resources that uh, Amazon Web Services brings to a community are just tremendous. They get involved in the community. Uh, they believe in, in, in community uh, responsibility. Uh, the f- fact that they're coming means that others are going to come. 
And we talk a lot about the brain drain in Mississippi and about the fact that so many young people who have talent have to leave here because the opportunities aren't here. But this becomes an opportunity to get some of our young people back from other states. Uh, And it represents a chance for Mississippi and for uh, the Jackson metropolitan area to reinvent itself as a place where technology can grow and prosper. Amazon will be constructing two major sites, one in Canton and the other at an industrial complex in Madison County. Each site will have two buildings, housing data centers, which will help host and support Internet traffic for possibly billions of requests each day. It's estimated by tech researchers Amazon Web Services supports more than 40 percent of all Internet traffic across their global chain of data centers. These facilities will require a lot of power to operate each day, Entergy Mississippi is gearing up to invest 2 to $3 billion for improvements to the state's power grid. Haley Visakerly is president and CEO. He speaks with our Will Stribling about this investment. They are a big player. Uh, they are paying their share of this ride. Uh, and as I said earlier, there's, the volume is so great, it creates a, a, the economies of scales to help levelize costs, yes. But they're paying their share of the load here and bringing the investments we need to modernize our grid and, and generation. Is the size of this like this grid expansion for y'all comparable to any other project? This will be the largest customer on our system and the largest in the energy system. So it, it's a major uh, player in our system coming up. So we will begin working right away. We have to make uh, first uh, investments in our transmission system. We'll have to build additional substations at the Madison Mega site and at the Costa site to serve these. Uh, phase one is at the Madison Mega site, so that's where we'll be doing that. We've already got approval on three solar facilities which are being developed right now in Hines, uh, Washington, and Tallahatchie County. And now that we have this legislation approved, we'll work out details on two more solar facilities and another generating facility and hope to get those announced here in the next few weeks or, or months. For people who just don't understand the energy business, how much power uh, sites like these draw? Like that's, is, there, can you, is there any way you can put it in that it will make sense to the average person? Well, I put it this way. Uh, they will be building a number of these buildings uh, around there. And, for example... Uh, just in Madison County, one of these buildings will use as much electricity as a Nissan generate uh, 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 automotive, automotive facility across the road from it. And, and you talked about you know building out several, several more solar sites. Can you just talk a bit about that uh, yeah. shift in the energy sector, and is, is Mississippi like a really prime location for solar to really be? Yeah. So one people? of the things we're seeing in economic development, more and more customers that are look uh, making investments are looking for. Uh, renewable or clean energy. So, yes, we're deploying new solar facilities in our state uh, under our EDGE plan, Economic Development and Green Energy, but also the generation that we will build will be advanced technology, modern, with the capability to use environmental control systems to reduce emission and even sequester that. And so it's a, it's a will win forward, and it's the type of investments that customers want to see. They want to, they're making com- commitments to sustainability, and we're going to help them achieve it. The data centers are projected to be partially open by 2027. Coming up from the Gulf States newsroom, a group of medical students are being trained and equipped to stop drug overdose deaths. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. 
We try to make it easy for you to listen to MPB Think Radio with all the useful information you hear on our local programs, including car repair, your health, personal finance, technology, and more. You can listen on the radio in your car or at home, using your smart speaker or smartphone, or listening online. And coming soon, an exciting new way to access our local programs. MPB Think Radio, helping you lead a better life. From children's education to gripping drama, documentaries to comedy, MPB Television brings the world to Mississippi. With local stories, cooking, health, and music, MPB Television takes Mississippi to the world. I'm Scott Tong. In Oakland, the baseball A's are stealing away from home, moving to Vegas to join the former Oakland Raiders. Plus, the NBA Warriors have already left for fancy San Francisco. What you have are emblems of culture that were really very important here, being stolen away from these fans. Next time on Here and Now. Today at noon on MPB Think Radio. Listen to MPB Think Radio at 10 on weekday mornings for shows about your legal rights, modern technology, car repair, and other topics of interest. Programs made by Mississippians for Mississippians on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Opioid overdoses are on the rise in the Gulf South, largely driven by an increase in fentanyl. At one school in Louisiana, medical students are learning how to use Narcan to prevent overdose deaths. As the Gulf State's newsroom's Drew Hawkins reports, many of the students have been touched by the opioid crisis themselves. And a heads up, this story describes in detail the signs and symptoms of an overdose. Good morning, everybody. Hello. About 80 medical students, mostly second and third years, are packed into a classroom at the UQ Ochsner Clinical School in New Orleans. Today you're here because we're going to train you how to use Narcan or Naloxone. That's Jacob Basson. He's a fourth-year medical student who helped organize this training. Narcan is the brand name for Naloxone, a medication that can almost instantly reverse an opioid overdose. You will be the first class of medical students in the state of Louisiana to be trained and then given a free dose of Narcan to keep on you in the case of an emergency. The number of opioid overdoses has been going up in the Gulf South. Louisiana's overdose death rate is nearly double the national average, and 95% of those deaths were caused by fentanyl, a synthetic opioid that's often mixed with other drugs to make them stronger. Fentanyl is about 50 times more potent than heroin, so it's easy to take an amount that can be deadly. Thank you. Basson turns it over to Sidera Montgomery, a Narcan trainer from the Metropolitan Human Services District. It's part of the Louisiana Department of Health. Montgomery has treated a lot of overdoses in her time. She has seen the worst and has the no-nonsense vibe of a high school principal. Good morning, everybody. Uh... She later told me she was nervous about presenting to medical students. Usually she's training cops and city workers. A stack of silver bracelets jangle on her wrist as she starts with the basics, the warning signs of an overdose. Pinpoint pupils and this thing that I call a death rat. You know, this deep, gurgling-type snow. So when that happens, you should be ready to act. 
Montgomery opens a box and pulls out a small device with a nozzle. It, it looks like nasal spray. That's because it is. So when you, when you take it out, this is how you hold it. Your thumb is on the plunger, okay, and ready to go. She walks the students through how to give someone a dose. Make sure that it's in the nostril. One student asks, how do you know if it's in far enough? Your fingertips will touch the tip of that person's nose. And once you get it there, you press. A small puff goes up into the air. You may have to put a little force behind it, but keep it in place. A lot of people in this room have seen opioid abuse up close. When Montgomery asked if they've ever seen an overdose before, multiple hands go up. One was at an LSU football game, another at a bachelor party. One student, Isabel Anderson, has a cousin who struggles with heroin addiction. So I do find it like really important to be trained because um, Narcan really is like a miracle drug in reversing overdoses. It's also close to home for Jacob Basson, the student who started the Narcan training initiative. Originally, this all started in high school. My brother overdosed from um, heroin. His brother's death set a fire inside of him. It's what made him want to get into medicine. He wanted to do something to help prevent other families, other brothers, feeling the way he did. Something took my brother away, and I wanted to know more about it, uh, and then turn that into something positive. Basson says when he got to medical school, he told the doctor his story. So from there, I started um, emailing a bunch of different uh, health organizations, seeing if they had any Narcan available, because the big speed bump in the road was really funding um, to get the medication. Everyone wants to train, but it's hard to get the actual medication. Getting Narcan can be difficult in the Gulf South. It used to require a prescription in states like Alabama. Part of the reason is stigma associated with drug use and addiction. Last year, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved selling Narcan over-the-counter in all 50 states. But in places like Mississippi, it can sometimes be hard to find in pharmacies. Basson hopes to take his Narcan training initiative to other medical schools in the region. His dream is to have as many people armed and trained with the life-saving medication as possible, so nobody has to lose a loved one to an overdose like he did. For the Gulf States Newsroom, I'm Drew Hawkins. The Gulf States Newsroom is a partnership among Mississippi Public Broadcasting and public radio stations in Alabama and Louisiana. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. We try to make it easy for you to listen to MPB Think Radio with all the useful information you hear on our local programs, including car repair, your health, personal finance, technology, and more. You can listen on the radio in your car or at home, using your smart speaker or smartphone or listening online. And coming soon, an exciting new way to access our local programs. MPB Think Radio, helping you lead a better life. Family owned. You know, I respect my dad a lot. I know it wasn't easy when he passed the baton to me. But in the end, he realized it was the best thing for the business to sometimes look at things from different colored lenses. Family Owned, a legacy leadership podcast, exploring family businesses who make up the backbone of the American economy. Listen now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or go to mpbonline.org. MPB Think Radio, whatever your taste, news, music, storytelling, or how-to shows. Whatever your city, Natchez, Jackson, Tupelo, Cleveland. However you want, radio, smart speaker, smartphone app. MPB Think Radio. 
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. A coalition of local governments, members of the seafood and tourism industries along Mississippi's Gulf Coast, is suing the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers for a second time. They say opening the Bonnie Carey Spillway in 2019 has had long-lasting and devastating effects on aquatic life. Trillions of gallons of fresh water from the spillway is allowed to enter the sound, diluting the salt water to near zero salinity levels, according to the Mississippi Department of Marine Resources. And this comes just shortly after an unprecedented five-month-long double opening of the spillway at that time. The coalition had previously filed a suit against the Corps for damage to the oyster population. This new lawsuit about the 2019 opening says there was significant harm done to the Sound's bottlenose dolphin population. Our Mike McEwen speaks with Gerald Blessy, attorney for the coalition, about how the opening hurt so many businesses along the coast. Harrison County, Mississippi, and other members of the Mississippi Sound Coalition filed a complaint against the United States Army Corps of Engineers for declaratory and injunctive relief in the U.S. District Court in the Southern District of Mississippi here in Gulfport. Under the Marine Mammal Protection Act, purpose is to protect the Mississippi Sound and the dolphin population from further harm from the polluted, low-salinity Mississippi River water that enters the Sound via the Bonnet Carey Spillway when it's open. Actually, spillway is leaking every day, too, but when it's open at flood time, as in 2019, it just devastated the oysters and the marine mammals, uh, dolphins, killed 153 dolphins. It's a large portion of our population. We want the court to declare that the Corps has acted contrary to law and has unlawfully withheld or delayed agency action in taking bottlenose dolphins. Taking means killing them in this instance or harming them through the operation of the Bonacare Spillway. And by failing to uh, to get an incidental take permit, the Marine Mammal Protection Act allows an agency or a company or a local government or whomever to do an incidental taking of a marine mammal like the dolphins when uh, when it's necessary to protect public safety for some reason and, and other special reasons that are in the act. But to do that, you got to apply for a permit, and you've also got to uh, uh, explain that you look for ways to avoid and minimize and see if there's a better way to do whatever it is you want to do. In this case, it's flood protection without killing the mammals. Scientists have indicated and referred to the bottlenose dolphin as a sentinel of the health of the whole marine ecosystem. So they're they're at the top of the food chain, and when they're killed and die, it reflects on so many other, not just marine life, but even in relationship to human life. Uh, it's you know we depend upon seafood in that same location. And could you walk me through the timing of filing this complaint? Of course. 2019 was a double opening year. To my understanding, that's unprecedented. They've never opened the Bonnie Carey twice in one year, um, either before or after then. Why is the complaint being filed now, and is it in relation to any more recent developments on that double opening? Well, it it was also the longest period of time. The double openings resulted in about five months of it being opening, which is way longer than it had ever been before. But the opening of the Bonnet Carey has been accelerating. In the last uh, eight to ten years, it's been opened more than all of the years prior to that when it was built in 1933, I think. 
so this acceleration of it, and of course, in 2019 was the worst ever, although we've had some bad episodes in the past. So we filed our first case in late 2019, and it took a few years to get the order that we got last year that I just mentioned to you. Uh, meanwhile, we've been trying to get the court to come to the table uh, and, and try to reason. We'd rather have win-win conversations between scientists and engineers to figure out a way to to do this, and we can't haven't been able to get them to the table. Now, our congressional delegation uh, in D.C. and also our state leaders, you know, have been trying to help make that happen, and uh, and legislature and so forth. So, um, but it hasn't happened yet. The one thing that did happen that we gave us some hope, and that is that the National Congress, that our senators, especially Senator Wicker and Senator Hyde-Smith, uh, and, and Congressman Ezell got done recently was to uh, require the Corps to do a comprehensive lower Mississippi River management study, and they funded it with $25 million. That was funded last year, and they uh, have allegedly started working on it. The con- our Congress had said the coalition, these cities and counties and fisheries and Tourism people on the Mississippi Gulf Coast need to be key stakeholders in that study. Well, we haven't been contacted yet. It's almost a year now. And um, this lawsuit is, is another way to give them a wake-up call. You've got to, we've got to come to the table. We'd rather not be in lawsuits. But if that's the only way we get to have uh, you Corps of Engineers paying attention, well, that's what we're doing. We'd rather have you know, a collaborative effort to find win-win solutions. We think there are win-win solutions, by the way, but it's going to be hard to do, and it's going to take a lot of uh, expertise, and it's going to take policymakers coming to a conclusion as to what's the best answer to at least mitigate and minimize, you know, the opening of the bounty carry when there is a flood. And there's ways to do that. There are many other structures involved. It's floodplains up uh, up the river, you know, 31 states empty into the Mississippi River, the rivers of 31 states. And so uh, there are floodplains that could be open to relieve the pressure. There's, there's other alternatives that we don't think are being properly considered. The Corps of Engineers released their interpretation of the impacts of the 2019 double opening, and the Mississippi Sound Coalition actually objected to those. Could you just elaborate on that? If you read their 100-plus, the Corps' 100-plus page answer, there's a lot of science in there, alleged science. There's a lot of references that have no scientific basis. But the bottom line is they basically said we didn't have much impact in 2019 on the ecosystem of the Mississippi Sound. And even if we, even if we did, there's nothing we can do about it because the law doesn't allow us. Well, neither of those are true statements in our opinion. And could you just speak – you know, your understanding and the coalition's understanding of what the economic impact was and maybe what it could be going forward? Well, that's one of the questions we've asked Mississippi State's economists to do and do a a true independent peer-reviewed study of the uh, impacts going forward if this continues on its accelerated pace, which we've seen the impacts on, on everything, not just fisheries, but tourism and the rest of the economy, state and local. The Worst part was the algae bloom, worst part for tourism, was the algae bloom in the summer months, which killed our tourist season. So it had a major impact. Significant portion of the local government's uh, tax revenues 
which is a reflection of the restaurants and, and uh, hotels and motels losing business that summer. I refer you to Mayor Jimmy Rafferty over at Pastor Chan, who has firsthand knowledge. The oyster community over there, literally two-thirds of all the oystermen are gone. They've lost that livelihood. That these are the small oystermen, that, you know, the small fishermen. And those that remain, the smaller companies, are really, really hurting. So it's basically uh, wiped out a whole segment of the seafood industry, which is uh, wild-caught oysters. Now, we do have aquaculture oysters, and that's good. And they, they, because of aquaculture control, you can bring them back, but it's not, not nearly the same thing. And, by the way, they're affected by the water, too. You have to take the cages and move them somewhere else if it ends up being polluted, no salt water. Quantifying the, the economic impact, I can tell you that it was, for Pastor Stan, a major. It was worse than a hurricane in terms of economics uh, because it's permanent. See, I mean, it's, I mean, hurricanes, as bad as they are, they're terrible. You know, you, you recover. The federal government usually gives you a lot of money to recover. Uh, the fishermen got some recovery money, but not enough to get back in business or the livelihoods. So you had to go take other jobs. Gerald Blessy is an attorney for the Mississippi Sound Coalition, representing it in a lawsuit against the Army Corps of Engineers. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.